AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years, and not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. On today's very special episode of The Break, we discuss how millennials are killing major industries. Now, wait a second. I'm a millennial, kind of. Is that really fair or true? It may not be true, but we're looking at the reasons behind these fears and fads and seeing what's really going on in these industries. We'll see if companies are adapting or falling into extinction, and we'll tell any misconceptions to get off our lawn. This is Millennials Killed the Brink. Welcome to The Brink. I'm Jonathan Strickland. And I'm Ariel Kasten. And today we're talking about millennials, of which I am technically one, though I claim that I'm actually a zennial, which is someone born between 1977 and 1983, where you're old enough to remember a childhood without all of this technology, but you're young enough to have adapted really well to it. I'm a Gen Xer, and I don't know what this strange machine is in front of me <laughs> that you call a computer. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm a Gen Xer and I cover technology for a living, yeah, so I, I reject that notion. <laughs> but the reason why we wanted to do this is because it has become a meme, mm -hmm. a meme being one of those ideas that gets passed around quite a bit, that millennials are killing X. It's kind of an ongoing joke now, but it's a joke now because there were strings of articles and videos and etc., that all had this kind of approach saying, this young generation is dooming said business slash industry slash chain, whatever it may be. And why is that? Why are the young people so anti-business and so anti-X that they want to kill it? Yeah. And we were looking at all of these different individual businesses we wanted to talk about on the brink and realized they all had this common thread. 
So we decided to do this kind of giant jumble piece of right. amazingness. Um, <laughs> and to just find out, like, is there anything to it? And uh, can we draw any sort of broad, generalized uh, conclusions and uh, and that sort of thing? And looking into it, I certainly think there are broad conclusions that we can come to, though everybody's an individual and everybody has different thoughts and opinions and motivations. And they come from different life experiences, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. But one common thing is that millennials all grew up during the Great Recession. And so a lot of people attribute their desire to spend less money to that because they look at their childhood with economic uncertainty and don't want to fall into the same pitfalls and traps and hardships. And and in some cases, it's literally that they they don't have the discretionary income that older generations had at their same age. So what's happening is you've got certain older generations, the baby boomers primarily. Yes. Gen Xers, we're just watching what happens at this point. But but baby boomers in general were saying, you know, when I was their age, I had already put a payment down on my first house and that kind of stuff. And largely that is true. But it, it seems to make the assumption or it does make the assumption that people in this millennial generation are experiencing the same sort of parameters that the baby boomers were, and that's not true. The thing that I think really kind of got the backlash against this whole millennials killed the X Mm -hmm. meme going was an issue of Time magazine that came out on May 9th, 2013. The cover story, it shows a, a young woman who's taking a selfie And the title on the cover of this Time magazine is The Me, Me, Me Generation. Millennials are lazy, entitled narcissists who still live with their parents. Why they'll save us all. And understandably, some younger people took exception to being painted with so broad a brush and the implications that go along with it, the idea that they're all lazy narcissists. Certainly. So obviously, armed with the tools of the internet and technology, they did what any upset group would do. They took it and photoshopped the heck out of it, (laughs) and then there were like a thousand parody covers They were making fun of time for this. And they said, well, you know, it comes across as being tone deaf. It comes across as Mm -hmm. elitist. It's making assumptions that we happen to have the same things at our disposal that previous generations had, which is not true. And then we started to see more of the compilations, like the various articles that said, here are all the examples of millennial killing the X. There were magazines and periodicals that would just run these compilations to point out the absurdity there. Yeah. Now, I will say that there are certainly businesses that are not making as much money with the millennial generation as with previous generations. Mm -hmm. And they tend to, if you look at a broad range of these articles, they tend to be the same throughout all of the articles. Right. But that's kind of how business works. You make a product until that product is no longer wanted or needed, and then you adapt to the new market. Yeah, you can't just assume that once you make something, that something is going to be your meal ticket forever and ever and ever. So we're going to take a look at some of the more nuanced elements of this whole meme and why things are the way they are. And also, (laughs) maybe even have a couple of comments about whether or not some of these supposed things that millennials are killing, maybe. Maybe it's not so bad. Maybe they deserve to die, (laughs) is what we're saying. There's one in particular, I think, that you're thinking of. Oh, there's there are a couple that are on the chopping block, but there's (laughs) one in particular. And so we're going to talk also about the fact that millennials, you know, they since they have a limited amount of money, mm-hmm. they're getting pickier about what they spend that money on. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily mean they're spending the money more wisely. They may not. 
they they may spend it on things that are not so wise, but are important to them. Yes. Although I will say millennials are saving more as their generation than previous generations were. So they're they're saying, I'm not making a lot of money, so I'm going to put more aside to savings to tide me over. And we're also going to bust some myths through the whole thing, not just mm-hmm. of the millennials are killing the X like it's some sort of malicious attack. Mm-hmm. We're also going to chat about how some of these things, you know, maybe it was a little premature to say that millennials were killing this industry. Like I'm thinking specifically of like the automotive industry, which seems like there might be a bit of an uptick, but we'll get into that. We will. So there are a couple of other things we can say about millennials, sort of generalizations besides the money stuff, Mm -hmm. like the idea that as a generation, they tend to think of themselves as being very health conscious. Yes. Sometimes that's proven true, and sometimes I think it's a little short-sighted. Broad generalizations are really hard to make. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But they also uh, are more socially aware. Yeah, although they they may not be necessarily super active socially. Sometimes that social awareness comes in the form of tweeting and posting and and not much action. Idealistically, they're socially aware. Yeah. And then also, they have been known to be or have been stereotyped to pick up technology quicker. They may not have a deeper understanding of the technology either. There have been some studies of kids who grew up with technology all around them, but they had sort of a very shallow, broad understanding Mm -hmm. of how to use the technology. But beyond that, you couldn't go very deep with it. Yeah. And I've certainly encountered, this is anecdotal, so anecdotal evidence is not mm-hmm. very worthwhile. But it's fun. It is fun. But I've certainly encountered uh, young people who didn't have a very comprehensive understanding of things like web search. Like they knew how to search for stuff. Yeah. But it was very surface level. And if they didn't immediately hit whatever it was they wanted, they gave up pretty quickly. And again, that's anecdotal. And it's based on a handful of experiences. I cannot make a broad generalization over an entire generation Mm -hmm. based on that. Although I I really want to because I'm old. You know what? Here's the thing, though. As a millennial, I tend to stereotype millennials. I've been really bad about it in the past when I look at trends and, and wanting more like immediate content and instant gratification type stuff with videos as opposed to personal interactions. Like, I stereotype. Mm. As a part of my own generation, I stereotype my own generation. I wonder how much of these generalizations also play into things like relying more and more on internet for your interpersonal connections, which makes you perhaps less socially adept at moving through real world social situations, that sort of thing. Like a lot of these things, I think, end up being the realm of armchair psychology, which doesn't really have that much uh, value to it without actual evidence backing it up. But we are going to go through and talk about some of these doomed businesses and, and categories in just a second. But in order to save a business, we're going to take a quick break and thank our sponsor. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. 
If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. oracle.com slash strategic. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years, and not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. All right, Ariel, hit me. Tell me about some of the food-related topics that millennials are supposedly slaughtering wholesale. Okay, so here's the thing. More than any other industry when researching this, when really looking into millennials killing different things, the food industry seems to be getting hit super hard. Casual dining, cereal, beer, (laughs) light yogurt, American cheese, mayonnaise, Diet Coke, McDonald's, like— All of these things are supposedly being killed by millennials. So I'm going to go a little bit into some of those, and I guess so will you with me. Sure. Casual dining, so like Applebee's and Wild Wings and things like that, they were not attracting millennials. Goodbye, Ruby Tuesday. Who could hang a name on you? They just just weren't getting the same sort of traffic. Yeah, they were saying that they were starting to see dramatic Mm drop-offs. And in fact, some restaurants like Applebee's specifically said that in their effort to try and attract a demographic that didn't have interest in going to their restaurants, they hurt themselves further by ignoring kind of their tried and true clientele. Yeah. And I think the problem here is that millennials of such busy lifestyles, some of them work multiple jobs to make ends meet. Right. They prefer to cook at home or order delivery or eat at a faster service restaurant, something like a Panera where you order and you get your food quickly, something in between a McDonald's and a casual dining establishment. And you are seeing some millennials who are finding success in their careers. Those millennials Many of them are gravitating toward what they would consider like foodie kind of experiences. Yes. yes. So in those cases, they're saying, if I'm not making much money, I don't want to go to an Applebee's. It takes too much time and mm-hmm. it's too expensive for the quality of food that I'm getting. That's that's kind of their I, argument. And if I am making the money, I want to go someplace better. Yeah, I want to go to someplace that isn't a chain, that's unique. And yeah. it, what feels to me like a good spending of my money. That also seems to be something I've noticed as well, that there's a kind of a common theme in a lot of these where millennials as a generation tend to be categorized as people who want to support smaller businesses mm-hmm. as well, as opposed to larger companies and chains. Well, it leads to a better experience. Mm-hmm. That is what millennials are about. They'd rather have the experience. Than some sort of physical yeah. item. And so going to a unique restaurant is a unique experience. Mm-hmm. It's not going to Applebee's every Tuesday. Now, 
this is weird because I'm looking ahead at our notes right here, Ariel, and you're mm-hmm. telling me that they're not just killing industries. Millennials are serial killers. They are. 40% of millennials say that it's not convenient for breakfast. Oh, that kind of cereal. And I wrote in my notes, blasphemy, because I really enjoy a bowl of Cheerios or Cinnamon Toast Crunch. To me, cereal is best eaten after you've had dinner. <laughs> <laughs> It's the late night snack cereal. It. But I do I do tend to eat like two or three bowls at a time. Probably tell by my waistline. Um, <laughs> anyhow, and they are having an effect on the cereal industry. Between 2009, 2014, there was a 5% drop in sales. And some of this could be tied in again to that perception of millennials being health conscious, right? Yeah. Yeah. They don't want all the sugar and the carbs. Although, you know, they could always go to grape nuts. <laughs> Yeah, I've often thought, how can I eat some cardboard for breakfast? You know, there are lots of foods I've tried as an adult that I didn't like as a child that I now like. Grape nuts I tried. I haven't figured out how to eat them yet. Yeah. That's what I'll say. (laughs) So the next one is the beer one, which I thought was interesting because I don't drink. I don't Mm -hmm. drink alcohol. So it's all foreign to me. But I had never really thought of millennials as being sort of beer averse. It turns out that in large trends, they tend toward wine and liquor as opposed to beer. Yeah. And as a generation, they drink less than previous generations. That being said, I do have a lot of friends who are really into microbrewing. And in fact, that leads me to a point that I thought was interesting, which is that I always associated millennials with, especially certain millennials, with like the hipster movement. Mm-hmm. And that hipsters and millennial hipsters really brought PBR, Pabst Blue Ribbon Beer, into a new renaissance in a way. And Pabst Blue Ribbon Beer is known as a, a low-cost light beer. And whether people were drinking it ironically or they were doing it because it, it was, was low cost, it was affordable, yeah. <laughs> uh, you could get two 12-packs of Pabst Blue Ribbon as opposed to a couple of beers. But then I was looking into a recent story that says that PBR may be in danger of actually going away. Oh, wow. And the reason is that Miller Coors, which is the company that brews, packages, and ships PBR, PBR is its own little Mm -hmm. company, but Miller Coors does all the brewing, packing, and shipping for them. They're looking at possibly shutting all that down in favor of their own Miller Lite brand so that they can make that the kind of flagship light beer And that's got a lot of the PBR folks in a tizzy. Meanwhile, a lot of those same hipsters who had previously elevated PBR are now moving toward microbreweries and these sort of craft beers. And again, it gets kind of into that small business and experience level. Along those lines of healthier, and maybe that's why, I don't know, maybe that's why millennials drink less. It's a lot of calories. Yeah, it's true. Even, Even light beer. American cheese and mayo, those are both things where people want something that's a little bit more real and a little bit more substantial. American cheese is very processed. Mayonnaise is considered very processed. You can get good homemade or— Aeolis and that kind of stuff. But they'd rather spend their money on something that's a little bit more real food. That being said, even though they trend toward healthier options, they aren't necessarily trending towards low calorie because both Diet Coke and light yogurt have taken a hit. Yes. Uh, In the case of light yogurt, the analysis I saw is that perhaps they're tending more toward the more natural yogurts, Mm -hmm. like the Greek yogurts and stuff, stuff that's viewed as being higher and things like protein. And Yes. So they're not so much worried about calories as they are nutritional content. And with Diet Coke, you know, you've got these people who are trying to 
give up sodas, and Diet Coke was supposed to be the alternative to drinking a high-sugar soda. Mm -hmm. But then the fake sugars that Diet Coke were using were getting a really bad rap and seen as unhealthy, so people weren't drinking that either. And that really hurt Coca-Cola. Their Diet Coke sales dropped like 34%. Wow. Yeah, and it's one of the things they sell a lot of is Diet Coke or dependent especially, on the past. Especially here in Atlanta. Yes. And then when we get into other categories like real mm-hmm. estate, that's where we see the thing about how, you know, baby boomers say, like, I, I just don't get them. I mean, at their age, I would have had my starter home. I would have already been moved into a house. And millennials are like, we would rather rent longer and save up money. Yeah. And then buy not a starter house, but a house. <laughs> Well, I mean, when you think about it, I bought what would be considered a starter house. My starter house is pretty darn nice. But there was a while there where the the housing market was real bad. If you bought a starter home that was just okay, I'm sorry, Jonathan, to touch such a sore spot for you. I'm not going to go into it. But if you bought a house that was just okay, expecting to sell it in a few years, and then that housing market crash happened, you're stuck with this house you don't like. I'm very familiar. And you can't. It's hard to get something better if you're dealing with student debt and all that. So I understand how people might wait to get the thing they want as opposed to getting something that is just a placeholder. Mm -hmm. And that kind of leads us over into the retail world as well, where we've already kind of touched on this, how millennials sort of go toward the small business, the experience. They don't want some sort of homogenized, giant, faceless corporation kind of experience. They'd rather go someplace where it's charming and you can actually get to know the name of the people who own the place. And, you know, you might find stuff that's outside of the ordinary there. And the one in retail that is the one item over all others that I'm like, good, if millennials kill it, would be the diamond industry. Ah, I was thinking you might say the bar soap industry. No, diamonds. (laughs) Diamonds. So... For the few people out there who may not be aware, diamonds are actually not rare at all. No. They're they're plentiful. Whether you're talking man-made or natural, there are more than enough diamonds. However, you have essentially one company, De Beers, that has a stranglehold on the world's supply of diamonds. And so this company can choose when to start making some of them available for purchase. Mm -hmm. And by controlling the supply, they can help control the demand unless there's no demand. And again, millennials are a little more frugal with their money. They're not willing to put in that a large investment, especially I think a lot of them are also kind of savvy as to how the diamond industry works. Yeah, certainly. And you know what? Here's the thing. Later in our notes, we'll get to it. De Beers is aware of this. Yeah. And they're putting into motion plans to try to get some of that market back. But I mean, the other thing is, again, millennials want something unique. They don't want just a solitaire on a single band. Yeah, so they are often opting for Mm non-traditional engagement and wedding rings. And so they're looking at other stones. They're looking at other designs. We both know people who have had engagement and wedding bands that are very different from the norm, including getting them tattooed on their fingers. So it's uh, definitely something that is an indicator of yeah. a general sense. Yes. No, soap, I didn't really care about that one so much. I mean, I don't like bar soap because it tends to make my skin feel drier. Now, you know, that might just be because I'm cheap and I buy cheap brands. Um, <laughs> but yeah, millennials think bars of soap tend to be germy and they'd rather not share them. 
It's self-cleaning. Oh, <laughs> other industries in retail that are taking a hit, things like Home Depot, again, because people aren't buying houses yeah. early on. So I think that one might be premature. Right. That one might come around in another, yeah. you know, five to 10 years. Department stores, because again, people want the smaller shop. Right. Napkins. Yes. <laughs> this is one where I'm like, you know, I like my napkins. I have a little napkin holder. It's nice because people are tempted to take just one at a time as opposed to like, an entire roll of paper towels. No, I do paper towels. Um, I have paper towels stationed in strategic spots throughout the <laughs> house, and you just go from room to room ripping off paper towels and wiping stuff down. Yeah, but between the fact that paper towels are more multi-use and more absorbent, and millennials are eating out more or ordering in more, so they're getting napkins delivered with their meals. They don't have to buy them. Yeah. Napkins are kind of a little bit shaken in their boots. Yeah. <laughs> And then when you get down to vehicles, like we said, uh, the cars thing, it, it for a while, there were a lot of articles. I remember these mm-hmm. distinctly from a few years ago. All these articles about how millennials weren't buying cars for various reasons. Either they could not afford the car, they couldn't afford insurance for the car, they couldn't afford a place to park the car, mm-hmm. all of these different reasons. And that the auto industry as a result was going to be in big trouble because there was going to be a big drop in sales. And that we would also see a rise in different industries that are related. Mm -hmm. So because people still need to get around. Yes. They just wouldn't be able to afford a car. And that also includes motorcycles. And millennials are killing the motorcycle. And we we did our episode on Harley Davidson. We did. And one of the millennials killed the articles was about how. Younger people aren't really gravitating toward motorcycles very much. Which you would think they would because it's technically a cheaper mode of transportation. Yeah. You still got to park the thing. You do. I mean, you can, like, park it in your bedroom. It'll be really dirty and gross and get your carpets dirty. But they're also killing the sports and fitness industry. Oh, good. In theory. So, wait, wait. They're health conscious, but they're killing sports and fitness. Well— Traditional. So, they tend to like more unique fitness experiences, like— bar classes. Or rock wall climbing. Or rock wall climbing or things like that. And so they aren't going to 24-hour type gyms as much. Right. They'd rather go to something that's a little bit more specialized and personalized. They're not doing things like playing golf. Let's say golf is less fitness and more just sport. Right. Or it may just be, well, no, that's the cynic in me. I'm not going to say what I think golf is. But yeah, uh, not as much interested in golf. Mm -mm. To be fair, I don't know that many Gen Xers who are really big into golf either, but that might just be my own circle of friends. I mean, now there are still a good number of millennials who do play golf. Sure. And, you know, golf as a whole is also trying to take steps to appeal to a younger generation. And I think a lot of that also just depends upon opportunity. Yeah, it's opportunity, it's time, and Golf honestly has this real big, like, cloud over it of being a very exclusive thing. Yeah, very classist. And millennials tend to be more—now, there are lots of introverted millennials, you know. Sure. But as a whole, they tend to, like, more social-type activities. Something that's not all about excluding other people. If if they're going to go out and be with other people, they want to be with other people. And then they're also not watching football as much. They aren't ready for some football. They aren't. I am. I like football. Yeah, I honestly couldn't care one way or the other. Like, you asked me about a specific player, I won't be able to tell you, but I enjoy watching it. But, you know, that's because a lot of millennials don't have cable, and cable is the traditional way to watch football. And going to a game can be expensive. Yes. As we've already made out, they don't necessarily have the money to do it. Well, we then also get on to the financial side. Ariel, you mentioned that millennials Mm -hmm. are putting aside more money, which is interesting because 
There's also this kind of prevailing thought that millennials have an inherent distrust in the banking industry. They do, and a lot of millennials don't ever go to a physical location. Right, like a physical bank branch. Yeah, most of them go less than once a month, if at all. Mm -hmm. But they still have to put their money somewhere. Yeah. So banks, as a financial institution, as a a way to exchange money, unless cryptocurrency gets really, really popular, I don't think those are going to completely go away. However, our actual physical locations might. We might see more move toward credit unions, Mm -hmm. things like that, as opposed to your traditional banks. There's also the relationship between millennials and insurance, which is, it's continuously part of the national conversation here in the United States because the nature of insurance keeps changing. Yeah, I mean, they don't have a car or a house. They don't need property insurance. They don't have a family. They don't need life insurance. Health insurance is expensive, so Mm -hmm. they'd rather pay for it piecemealed in urgent care. And then the gas and oil industry is taking a hit. Because millennials just think the gas and oil industry is bad. and They don't want to be a part of it. They don't want to work for it. Mm-hmm. They don't want to partake in it. Now, again, if you've got a car, unless you've got an electric car, or I guess maybe a diesel, but that's still kind of— Yeah, that's still— That's still— Not great. So, But I also see there's one other thing that millennials are trying to kill. And I—what <laughs> do, do millennials have against breasts? Um— you know, I don't know. I was going to say it's <laughs> it's just a specific application. An application of breasts? Yes, okay. which is that they don't like restaurants. Yeah, so these would be like Hooters and Tilted Kilt, Tilted Kilt and yeah. Twin Peaks, which at first I thought was a restaurant where they bring your food to you on a log, but I, it's not. I thought that too the first time I ever saw, and I remember because our old office location used to be right down the way from where mm-hmm. a— Twin Peaks restaurant was coming in, and I thought it was going to be a Twin Peaks themed restaurant. restaurant. I was yeah. like, I was like, that's amazing! I bet the coffee will be uh, amazing, and so will the pie. I was so excited, and then I was very, very sad. Yeah, me too. Uh, but I mean, as a whole, that's not the experience that millennials want to pay their money for. For one thing, these places are often also associated with, at best, average food. Yes, like the food itself is obviously not trying to be the pull. These establishments. Also, according to your notes, the millennials seem to be searching less frequently for breast-related terms on adult sites. Yes. So, like I said, mainly one application, but I don't know why. I guess guess we could say that millennials are are savvy and that they will rarely fall into a booby trap. (laughs) Ha ha, ha ha. (laughs) <laughs> I know, that was, I'm trying not to actually laugh, but I'm actually laughing that. At was that was a terrible joke, and oh. I am ashamed of it. And I won't be surprised if our editor edits it out. Yes. <laughs> Anyhow, so now we've kind of gone through some of the biggest industries, or at least the most publicly facing industries that are kind of getting hit by millennials. The ones that are frequently cited in as, these articles. As being, yeah. quote-unquote, killed. And we'll talk a little bit about what these companies are doing to try to adapt and try to overcome their inevitable death after we take a moment to thank our sponsors. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. 
If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb. Tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. Now, one of the things, Ariel, that you've you've mentioned a couple times now is that millennials as a group tend to value experiences over just physical products, that if the experience of purchasing something or going to have a meal, if that is a positive, that's more attractive to them. Yes. So I assume that means that there are more businesses that are starting to pick up on that and try to adjust to cater to that. They are. They're also trying to cater to the fact that 7 out of 10 millennials have a fear of missing out. Ah, so if you can create the sense that this experience is a not-to-be-missed one, Mm -hmm. and if you can somehow limit access to it just a little bit so that there is the possibility that if you don't act, you will never have that experience— You drive people to it. Yes, it's a little bit of a mind game. But, you know, it's not a bad thing. That's, again, how our markets evolve and we get new products and things like that. And entirely new businesses as well. Not just products, but we can create opportunities. So if people see that there's an opportunity they can leverage Mm -hmm. based upon these behaviors, then really it's a pivot. You know, it's not so much that millennials killed X, it's that X needs to evolve into Y, and then it's going to take off like gangbusters. Yeah. For instance, in the food industry, we've had businesses pop up like Blue Apron or HelloFresh or Sunbasket, any of these places where you can go and pick your menu online. You don't have to waste the time in the grocery store, which is hurting grocery stores. Mm -hmm. And then even if you're taking the time to cook your meal, you've cut your prep time down exponentially. So we're having food prep and food delivery services are coming into play, as well as Uber Eats, which instead of going out to McDonald's, you're getting actual quality, unique restaurant food brought to you. Yeah. And again, I'm not a millennial. I'm too old Mm -hmm. for that. But I use a food service similar to this. It's not one where I do the preparation, but it is one where the meals are made fresh and they are made within certain caloric limits. And so that way I can get, I know I'm getting a good nutritional meal, but it's not going over my calorie limits. Yeah. 
But fast food is also trying to keep up with things like Uber Eats and DoorDash and such by giving us healthier options and kind of more of a cafe feel. If you look around, you'll probably see a lot of these fast food joints around you getting all of these big updates. Mm-hmm. So you've got a more pleasant experience if you do sit and eat in and you've got some healthier options for you. I'm also seeing some new models of fast food like Blaze, the mm-hmm. do-it-yourself pizza place, yeah. which is still a pretty, it's a fast food service, but it's one that kind of markets itself as you get fresh ingredients, the pizza's mm-hmm. prepared right in front of you. And then within like five minutes of you ordering it, you've got it and you're ready to go. Yeah. Uh, Beyond that, things like what we were talking about, how cheese and mayo were kind of getting a bum rap. They're just having to look at what they're putting out and be more creative with it. Mm. Uh, So like we just got mayo ketchup, which is not a creative name, but it's that nice combination of mayonnaise and ketchup that you usually do to dip your fries in. Now it's pre-mixed for you, which saves time. I'm so disturbed. Um. (laughs) And then, you know, grocery stores are having to compete. I think Amazon recently bought Whole Foods. And there's been talk about, like, people-less grocery stores where you say the things you want and then you pick up your basket and you Right, or you just walk in and you You literally just put the stuff in your basket. And when you you walk walk out, out. the whole system scans everything and you just get charged for whatever it was you bought. Yeah. And then, you know, I think it's important to mention that companies are also focusing on the social aspect. So— Newman's Own is a big brand. Yep, and they're known for their philanthropic efforts. But a lot of young people didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Like, they give away all of their profits, charities. And a lot of young people don't know that. A lot of people don't know who Paul Newman is. Right. He passed um, away several years ago. Yeah, so. and so they're trying to focus less on Paul Newman, the actor, and more on the philanthropy. They're putting it out more front and focused because that'll make more millennials want to buy it. And we talked a little bit about how Millennials are putting more money aside in order to buy a home later in life, not Mm -hmm. buying it so early. They're also getting into a little, you know, a few of the creative and sometimes unsustainable approaches to home ownership, like getting an RV and traveling around and, you know, kind of having an almost nomadic lifestyle. It's an alternative to a starter home if you're looking for a good paying job and you don't know where you're going to land. <laughs> and you have some place where you can hook things up. Well, look, my folks own an RV. Yeah. And when you go to these RV parks, when I visit them and they're RVing and I'm at an RV park— there are people who do just live that lifestyle because it's cheap to rent a plot, mm-hmm. you know, and that usually comes with your utilities included. And if you buy an RV, sometimes your payments can be as low as like $100 or $200 a month, mm. which, you know, you're going to have maintenance, but it's still less expensive than renting an apartment in like Atlanta. Yeah, or owning a home and having to fix everything yeah. yourself. I also know that the tiny house movement is still something that people are interested in. I think Mm -hmm. I would go crazy within a week. I mean, again, if you're more into experiences than stuff. Yeah, I like the experience of not knocking my head (laughs) while I'm trying to get into the bed. Which is fun because where we're recording, they actually had a tiny house event. Yes, they did. Last week. Yeah. And you mentioned that De Beers was looking at some ways of marketing diamonds to try and attract millennials Mm -hmm. who have so far been fairly resistant to the diamond industry. They have been. They're trying to show that they're trying to make the world a better place. (sighs) How? I don't know. Especially considering the incredibly problematic history of the diamond industry and, and current practices even. And they're trying to make diamonds seem more unique. Love has many facets, you know, unique settings. They're trying to give a digital marketplace that is easier to understand and quicker to do where you can customize your rings more. 
stuff that shows individuality and authenticity, which you can certainly do with a diamond and jewelry if the underlying problem of how the diamond business works doesn't bother you. But it totally should. (laughs) Uh, Moving on to transportation. So I mentioned ride-sharing services. Those have obviously been doing quite well over the past several years. But like we said, the car industry is not as in, in such dire straits as was first predicted just a few years ago. No, no, because as millennials get older, as they do buy their homes and Mm -hmm. they do have families. Now, interesting thing to note, even though millennials are getting married later and they're buying homes later, doesn't necessarily mean that they're having children later. But that being said, as they do get all these things and all these pieces of their life fall into place, if that's what they're trying to achieve, then they find out, well, maybe my public transportation is not so great here. Maybe I don't want to have to wait for an Uber. Maybe I do want my own car. And so we've seen a little bit of an uptick in cars. Although big surprise to me, it's largely in like basic models and then SUVs and trucks. I would have thought that electric cars would be booming. But then electric cars tend to have a pretty expensive upfront cost. Yeah. Like, Like over the long term, you could argue that they could perhaps be more economical. Mm hmm. But they tend to have a pretty high sticker price when you're first buying them. Yeah. Like Tesla, those cars, not cheap. No, I went and priced one recently just for the funsies of it. And also, like, uh, along with the rideshare services and the actual slight uptick in car purchases Mm -hmm. among millennials— We've also seen the rise of sort of urban transportation solutions like all the different scooter companies, like Bird, which, I mean, you can't go anywhere in Atlanta now without seeing them everywhere. No, and and people just, like, they forget common courtesy. Like, don't don't leave it in the middle of the sidewalk. Put it on the side of the sidewalk. Someone can still see it. You're not hiding it behind a bush. But also bicycles. Bicycles do the same thing. In New York, you can rent a bicycle and take it from one place to another. And then yeah. they have people who they've got like incentives who can ride the most bike miles to bring their bikes back to a drop-off or pickup location. Mm-hmm. And then motorcycles are trying to get back in the game. One of the reasons motorcycles was suffering is that they are not a very easy entry mm-hmm. sort of a vehicle. You have to get a different license for it. You have to take classes for it. And they're pretty expensive compared to renting a bird scooter. So they're trying to make low-cost, easy-to-pick-up models. So I think we can kind of sum up mm-hmm. what has been going on here, and that's that it's not that millennials are killing industries necessarily. They may be changing some of yes. them. And for others, it's entirely all about them putting money aside until they can afford the things that they were otherwise putting off. So it's not so much they're killing, it's that they're biding their time. They're biding their time. And And, then they'll pounce. And then these companies also need to bide their time or just really try to make their product more of an experience. Yeah, and trying to make sure it's accessible. It is tough for me to lay any burden really on that generation. If you're talking Mm -hmm. about a generation that had experienced unprecedented levels of college tuition, if they were going after that college education, the student loans are no joke. And to get out of college and you're immediately in massive amounts of debt and you have that hanging over you, I don't think most people would think, how can I add to the debt that's already there? Yeah. Like I know for myself, I saw people who had acquired debt going, I'll be able to pay this off. And then something happened, the recession, and then they couldn't. 
and all the trouble that brought. And I'm like, I don't want to go into debt in the first place. Yeah. As much as humanly possible. So, no, I certainly can't blame them. And to be completely fair, they will blame Gen Z for killing industries, which is the next generation. Generation Z. And it will pass along, I'm sure, from grandfather to father to son, grandmother to mother to granddaughter. I was about to say, you're— It's going to skip daughters, just straight to granddaughter. Your timeline is weird. I assume at some point we invented a DeLorean that can travel through time. From aunt to cousin to nephew Okay, you know what? That's enough. We're going to (laughs) wrap this up. So, guys, if you have any— suggestions or you have any comments, maybe you have your own point of view of the whole millennials killed the blank meme. I'd love to hear them. And I would too. You can send us a message at feedback at thebrinkpodcast.show and we will be happy to look it over. We look forward to seeing that. Yes. And remember, you can just go to thebrinkpodcast.show. That's our website where you can learn all about us. And the site, you can also look back on the uh, previous episodes and catch up on ones that you might have missed. We look forward to hearing from you. And I've been Jonathan Strickland. And I've been Ariel Caston. I got to go and get killed by some millennials. Get off my lawn. Listen and subscribe at Apple Podcasts or on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you listen to your podcasts.
Listen and follow on the iHeartRadio app or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? It's estimated over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. To save, visit HealthLock.com today.